the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Uh, how about saying no cell phones? There's a video making the rounds on social media and actually on local TV news, apparently, of a gigantic brawl at Brashear High School that happened in the last few days. It, it, of course, includes the usual stuff that you see in brawls in the 21st century with lots of kids getting beat up while they're in defenseless positions, some kicking and stomping of people on the ground, stuff like that. Usual stuff that would have embarrassed any male person before the turn of the century to be caught doing that, especially on video. But, of course, it also includes lots of spectators standing around holding up their cell phones and recording it. And that's how it gets up on social media, of course. Now, I don't know what the discipline is going to be for the kids that were involved in the fight, but you would hope that there would be lots of kids expelled, not suspended, expelled after they sort it out. Now, the one good thing, uh, maybe the only good thing about the smartphones is that the videos should make it easy for the principal to identify the kids who deserve to be punished. But the question is, would the fight have ever taken place if not for the fact that just about every kid in the school is walking around with their own personal video camera? Now, Twitter and all social media, and I'm sure you've seen them, they're all full of video of things that have taken place that probably would not have taken place if not for the fact that the people involved knew that what they were doing was going to be videoed and put up on a social media. Um, by the way, it's it's videoed. It's uh, People constantly use the term filmed. There's no film. They stopped using film in about 1978. It's video. But anyway, everybody uses it. Even people on TV refer to it as film. And that annoys me, but that's another story. So anyway, how hard would it be for the people at Brashear High School to come out tomorrow and say, uh, no more video cameras allowed in the building. Imagine if they were just regular video cameras that you carried around and not a phone, that just everybody just was able to pull out their own um, video camera and they weren't attached to a phone. How long would that last? And how did human children survive, by the way, prior to the last, I don't know, 20 years or so without being able to be in constant contact with their parents and their friends while they were at school. Remember when you just went to school and then you came home and that was kind of it? You hear the argument that it's a safety thing, that the kids need to be able to get in touch with mommy or daddy at any time during the school day. That's embarrassing, but if that is the case for some reason, how about letting them have a flip phone? No video cameras. I wouldn't hold your breath waiting for that to happen. By the way, I called the uh, the Pittsburgh City, Pittsburgh City School office uh, to get a comment, maybe ask some questions about this, and I left a message. I'm not holding my breath uh, waiting for anybody to call me back on that. They haven't yet. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to have an update on the homelessness mess from Bar- Bobby Har of Eyes on PGH, who says he has a leaked email from city government that will be a big story, and he's going to break it on this show. Then in our second half hour, Gavin Newsom went to China and had a sit-down with Xi Jinping. 
And why? Because of his stupid policies, he'll become one of Z's best customers. You'll find out. Stick around. Well, last week we had Bobby Haar of Eyes on PGH uh, on the show to talk about a documentary he's done on the homeless situation in Pittsburgh. And he told us about the ridiculous encampment on the south side and one uh, another place downtown. Uh, and a lot has happened since uh, then when he was on last week. And so uh, Bobby joins us now. Bobby, thanks for coming back on. Hey, thanks for having me back, John. Okay, so before we get to the big story you have for us today with the email and everything, uh, I do notice that the, and I've seen this in the last several days, that the encampment on the south side and another one suddenly disappeared. Was that a result of your work and uh, and the fact that it, the, it was made public? I would like to think so. Um, you know, uh, that's the most popular video that I've done so far is the video of the south side encampment. And now, you know, j- just for context, this encampment has existed in that area since 2011. Um, and, and mysteriously, three days after I published it and just uh, just a day or two after after I came on your show last time, it disappeared. And I think it's a great thing. But I mean, I would I would love to think that uh, that that's a result of my work. Uh, however, you know, the city still is balked at commenting on that. Well, I did see that uh, Andy Sheehan of KDK TV uh, went on a tour with the mayor. Was that a result of you letting the local uh, TV news operations know about it? Hey, it's really tough to say because I still haven't quite broken through to, you know, that realm of media, you know, local news. I still haven't gotten much love from those guys. But, uh, you know, if it is great, if it's not also great. I mean, you know, there's other people doing great work. Marty Griffin, um, you know, is uh, is also covering the homelessness in Camden. There's other small media outlets that are doing it. But, any part I can have in bringing attention to this important issue, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's just a great feeling. You know, this is something that needs taken care of and is a growing problem in our city. Well, as you said, the, the encampment that uh, we started talking to you about last week has been there for 12 years. And then all of a sudden it disappears like it, it didn't matter until it became embarrassing to the people at the city. Right. That's what it seems like. I mean, e- either it's the biggest coincidence I've ever yeah. had in my five years of media, or uh, yeah. they did something about it once there was attention put on it. And yesterday you had a video up on Eyes on PGH um, where you think the people in that neighborhood have moved, uh, and it looks like they've moved to the great outdoors. Looks like it. That's uh, right off of uh, Three Rivers Heritage uh, walking trail on the south side down by Riverside Park. Um, and uh, that's uh, that's less than a mile away from where the encampment was. So, you know, I want to be clear here that, you know, th- this problem isn't fixed if we're cleaning up an encampment and just moving it somewhere else. You know, more needs to be done about this issue to get these people off of the streets, not move them from place to place. And the mayor actually said that in his, uh, his interview with Andy Sheehan, that, you know, we don't just want to move them from place to place. So let's do that. Let's put them somewhere where they're not right off of a walking trail. They're not under a bridge next to businesses. Let's do something about that. But, hey, John, I got to tell you, I still have yet to, uh, you know, have have cooperation from the city on giving me, you know, giving me feedback on this stuff. But I'm not going to quit. Yeah, that's good. And uh, how about this for another place? Um, An insane asylum? (laughs) 
<laughs> maybe it's the wrong word. They don't have insane asylums anymore. You know, a, a mental health facility or uh, jail or, I don't know, rent a, a, come up with a big building downtown. There are lots of empty ones now and herd them in there. But get them off the street. How hard is this? I, it, it blows my mind. It really does. Um, you know, it, I was driving past the Allegheny County Jail the other day, and it was this is just a remarkable view to me. There's a singular tent right in front, and I mean 10 feet away from the front <laughs> entrance to the jail, a singular tent. So, I, you know, I'm speaking, I'm speaking for myself, but if that's me on the streets, especially in this colder Pittsburgh weather that we're getting up here at this point, yeah. I don't care what facility I'm in. I want shelter. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of these people feel the same way. And a toilet. You know, that'd be nice. Yes. Yeah, um, that'd be nice, too. Yeah, and so, do you think maybe, like, uh, I know you didn't, well, I guess you didn't talk to him, but uh, I'd like to talk to the person in the tent. Maybe maybe it's like they're they're begging for sympathy that they'll be asked inside when they see how cold it's. Hey, listen, uh, you know, why stay out here? Come on in. We'll give you three square meals. You can... And we'll lock you up in a cell, and people won't have to look at you, and you'll you'll be able to have a toilet and everything. I mean, yeah, it gets to the, the point where some of these homeless people will actually intentionally commit crimes whenever it gets cold out, so that they have you know they have a bunk, they have mm-hmm. three meals, they have, and you can't really you can't really look at that and and blame them. I mean, no. if they're not giving given anything else by the city and those in charge, and their option is either freeze to death in a tent and live in their own filth or, you know, ha- have a spot in a jail cell, I'm taking the jail cell. Yeah, and how many of these people are thinking clearly anyway? Oh, I can't imagine very many of them. Yeah. You know, th- this the, the biggest thing that I, I see here, it, it, it's sad. It, you know, it, it, addiction is, is absolutely run amok in these, in these encampments. The, the, you see nothing but needles, syringes, uh, empty heroin stamp bags, Narcan, and, you know, so these people have severe problems with addiction and mental health. There are a few people, I'm sure, here and there that, you know, just, just don't want the responsibility of citizenship, you know, and prefer to be on the streets. But most of these people, when I'm talking to them, when I'm going in these encampments, they're severely addicted to drugs. They're severely addicted to alcohol. They have very, very bad mental health issues, and they go hand in hand. So they're really not thinking clearly, and, and it, they can't stand up for themselves if so somebody else needs to. We're talking to Bobby Har. Uh, you can find his stuff at Eyes on PGH on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at EYES on PGH. I keep saying Pittsburgh, but it's Eyes on PGH. So, okay, uh, now let's get to the email that you told me about yesterday. Uh, where was the email? Who sent it? Who was it to? And what was it about? Absolutely. So I had uh, an anonymous source leak me an email that was sent by the Pittsburgh Department of Public Works uh, a few months ago. And what this email was, I'm going to read it here to you, but uh, it was a request from a volunteer. Get this, a request from a volunteer to clean up homeless encampments, and it was denied by the city, uh, citing a bunch of bureaucratic reasons such as safety concerns. Mm-hmm. Get that, John. Right. Safety concerns. It's it's a safety concern to clean up a homeless encampment, but if we leave it alone, it's fine, right? Yeah, right. Everyone's safe and secure. So I'm going to read this to you here. Okay. This, and that, this, this is coming said, from someone who is offering to clean it up for free. 
Yes, okay. I'm going to read the uh, okay. I'm going to read the um, email here from Zachary Spodek is his name. He's a this is who sent the email. He's a program specialist at the Department of Public Works in Pittsburgh. Um, and his response to the application to clean up this homeless encampment, I quote, we are in the process of reevaluating our policies regarding cleaning up homeless encampments. As such, I wanted to inform you that we are not currently, we're not allowed to currently authorize any cleanup applications we receive related to these locations due safety concerns. And it jumps down here and in regard, and he quotes, in regard to, in regards to the encampment issue, from what we have been informed, these sites require additional clearances from the Office of Community Health and Safety to ensure each site is unoccupied for safety purposes. With that in mind, we are hoping to hopefully form an official procedure in the near future with the assistance of this office so that the issue of littering at these encampments can be properly addressed. Um, this is a denial. This is a volunteer trying to clean up homeless encampments. This is a guy that decided he wants to do good and clean it up. And you have the Department of Public Works, Zachary Spodek, Department of Public Works employee, emailing him, telling him no. You can't do it, and you have all these bureaucratic reasons and clearances that need to go through in order to do it. So my question is, if a volunteer can't do it and the city isn't doing it, who does it? Yeah, well, um, and he said we're we're thinking about getting this done in the near. I think he said near future, and 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 yeah. what, what was the date of the email? Uh, June. That's that that's, that gets interesting here. Yeah, well, what what I'm it's saying is it was it was it was three months later, and this, and you were out there taking pictures of the encampment that was still there. So what what does near future mean, or what did it mean at the time? Well, I tried to figure that out. So I actually reached out to Zachary, and this is where it gets really interesting, John. I reached out to Zachary um, prior to publication here. You know, this is going to be published after we air. Yeah. But um, I requested comment. And, you know, to be clear, Zachary isn't the person in charge of these procedures and everything. Um, He's merely communicating this email. But I got two things. Uh, from one of his colleagues or boss, right? The, Zachary's the assistant to this guy called Chris Mitchell that works. He's an anti-litter specialist for the city of Pittsburgh. Um, and I'm going to read his response to me here. Uh, we have, I'm afraid that the comms team has directed that any information regarding this matter is a strict no comment at this time, <laughs> but I have been given permission to plead again that any information shared on air be done with my name instead of Zach. So this is what they're trying to do. They don't want to comment or they don't want to respond to my questions about this issue. What is the procedure? Has this been followed up on? What do you do now? What has gone on since June? So I get a no comment, but then they want to follow up and try and editorialize my reporting, telling me not to use the guy who sent the email's name. I don't think so. So why why is he trying to protect Zachary? So in his words, he says he's not in a position to fully explain any oh, okay. city policies, nor does he have any control over him. And any discussion on the city of Pittsburgh's policies on volunteer cleanups should ultimately be tied to me. 
and saying he'd greatly appreciate if his name wasn't used. Well, when you're sending an official email <laughs> and you are explaining in the email these policies and procedures, you got to wonder, why are you having him do this work if he's not qualified to do it? You know, that, that is, that's on Chris Mitchell, in, in my opinion. You know, he wants to kind of cover for him here. And uh, I don't believe for a second that I never did that Zach has any sort of uh, authority when it comes to these procedures. But he did send the the communication that denied this application. So, you know, that's on whoever here. And if they really wanted to take Zach's name out of this entire equation, they would respond to my request for comment. But instead, they're leaving me to leak this email that was sent by an assistant and denied an application. So uh, Department of Public Works, why don't you answer my questions instead of having your assistant do your dirty work and send out the rejection of these applications? Of course people are going to be fired up about this. The guy that, that sent me this was fired up about it. You know, nobody, nobody wants to be volunteering for a job like this and be denied the, you know, the, the right to do free work. I mean, what are we doing here? Yes. So um, I know you don't want to say who leaked the email to you, but can you tell me why whoever it was leaked the email to you? Aside from the obvious that it's ridiculous and whoever it is thinks it should be made public. Yeah, uh, I can tell you this. It's somebody that heard me on your show last time, actually. Okay. Um, that, you know, somebody was, that was listening to your show. So, you know, again, I appreciate you having me on here because that's the point is to get, get this information out to the public. You know, I, I, I work for the public. I don't work for these people in charge. So this person, you know, is, is somebody that's very successful, lives in our city and doesn't like what he sees, just like the rest of us, doesn't like seeing this filth and garbage, takes time out of his day to go do this work in various areas, which includes homeless encampments. And he saw this email and he was furious. I mean, you'll see some of the response from his whenever I post the documents, but he was just furious about it. And he decided to reach out to me and say, hey, I think this should be public. And I agree. Yeah, and we're talking to Bobby Haar of Eyes on PGH. Uh, you can find his stuff on Twitter, at Eyes on PGH, and also uh, on Instagram at the same, uh, same thing, right? At Eyes on PGH. Um, yep, and, across and YouTube. all social media. Yeah. Yep. Now, yeah. what's been the response since you were on the show here, and since you've um, since uh, to your to your site? I guess I want to call it a website, but it's uh, it's not really a website. It's a what is it? It's a Twitter feed. It's a YouTube uh, uh, station. What would you call it? What what is Eyes on PGH? I would just call it a citizen journalism project uh, okay. that, that's growing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the feedback's been tremendous, uh, especially since I've been on the show. Uh, I've had, you know, I immediately had people reaching out to me. Um, a lot, you know, some people just, just sharing the work. Some people saying, I loved your interview. I love what you do. Mm -hmm. And I've had other people reaching out to me saying, hey, I, I, you know, I love this content, but also I want to help these homeless people. I, you know, can you help me, w give me some guidance on where I can give these people food, where I can give them clothes and blankets and things like that. So it's been nothing but positive, right? We, we, I have people from all walks of life that are reaching out, um, and, you know, from your regular citizen to uh, politicians to business owners. I mean, everybody that has reached out has been positive. I really genuinely have received little to no negative feedback. 
you're always going to have it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's been overwhelming, right? This has kind of turned into a full-time job of mine. Uh, and I've, I've really been doing this night, you know, morning to night every day. Well, I got less than a minute. Um, what's next? More content. Um, there's a lot more to show in the city. Um, there's a, a lot more to show that I already have filmed that I've banked up and, uh, I, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I do and, and showing you what's really going on and what a lot of the media is not doing, you know, particularly local media. Um, you know, I have a lot of things, uh, in the works and stuff that I'm currently editing right now that's going to be coming out. So stay tuned for that. Um, I just want to thank everybody that supported my work. Um, I want to thank John. I want to thank Jason Kilmeyer. He uh, actually is a great mentor of mine. You had him back on your sh- uh, on your show back when he was running for Congress. Mm-hmm. He's you know helped me with a lot of getting this thing off the ground, working with me on the concept of this, and he's just been remarkable uh, to work with in in terms of direction here. So thank you, Jason Kilmeyer, for that. Um, just stay tuned, everybody. I have a lot more content. You'll find what the streets really look like for me, and you'll find it first. Well, uh, keep us posted. We'll have you on again, and uh, they can find you everywhere at Eyes on PGH. Bobby Har, thank you. Thanks, John. Okay, we'll be right back. Oh, I don't know about you, but um, I don't think Joe Biden's going to be running for president in 2024. Uh, and if he doesn't, the guy most likely to replace him, I guess, is Gavin Newsom of California, who has apparently really nice hair. Uh, he went to China and got a sit-down with Xi Jinping recently, apparently to talk about the climate. Daniel Turner is the founder and executive director of Power of the Future, and he joins us now. Daniel, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure to be on your program, John. Thank you. So do you think Gavin tried to talk him into backing off all those coal mines that they're opening up over there? I just wonder how how the governor got there. Um, I assume he took a sailboat, right? Uh, So it's amazing how you can use fossil fuels for your photo ops or for your hair hair gel, because clearly hair gel is made from petroleum products. I forgot about that. That's right, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's remarkable the the, the constant kowtowing that um, America as a whole, but particularly the Democrats in America, has made to communist China, ignoring the fact that they are four times our pollution, that they are 90 percent of the world's ocean pollution, um, that they have millions of enslaved religious minorities and children working in their factories, um, that they have a, a total abuse of, 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 of ethnic minorities, um, we just turn a blind eye to the fact that this is an awful, awful regime. Not the people, of course, but the government, the communist government, like all communist governments, is an evil, uh, misanthropic, dangerous, polluting regime. Instead, he goes over there and says, I want to work with them to solve the world of climate change. You scratch your head and say, what, what fantasy land do these people live in? And it would have been better for the world if he had gone over there and poisoned his lunch, and and then Z would have died a half hour after he left. That's uh, I hate to say that. That, that I'm serious. That's a, that, that it's it's this guy is a, a bad human being, and he should be gone from the planet. And you know he's he's begging to be uh, put down. So I, I seriously, then instead of go over there and kiss right his butt, go over there and, and stick some arsenic in his salad. 
I don't understand how we have deviated so far from the great Ronald Reagan who 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 showed us the the true nature of communism and made it clear we don't we don't trade with them, right? We don't negotiate with them. We don't try to find common ground. But we knew the Soviet Union was evil. We knew the evil they were inflicting around the world. Some of the repercussions we're still dealing with, by the way. But we never said, well, you know, as a sign of good faith, let's move our pharmaceutical industry to the outskirts of Moscow. We never treated them like a partner worth dealing with. And that's how we bankrupted them. And yet when it comes to communist China, we've just seeded our economy so that they can build their own. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the scene of they've had it on video where Gavin says to Z, hey, look over there, and he just drops something in his drink. I I think that would be – and then, you know, that would be great. But anyway um, (laughs) – He told Z that uh, no matter what happens globally, that uh, Z has a partner in California. So, and, and as you point out uh, at uh, powerofthefuture.com, um, California is already one of Z's best customers, right? Absolutely. And, and, and how's California doing as a state? Um, uh, it's second in the nation in, in exit. It's only behind New York of people leaving the state. It's declining in population. Um, it, it's got the highest gas prices minus Hawaii of any state in the nation. It can barely keep its lights on. Um, its utility rates are, are among the highest, uh, et cetera. So, so you scratch your head and say, well, what are you proud about, Governor Newsom? And what is this, what is this success that you want to take to the rest of us? Because he is, as you said in your intro, he is auditioning to become president. Mm-hmm. Um, most people believe, and I am firmly in this camp, that during the, 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 the DNC convention next year in Chicago, Joe Biden will bow out and the, the electors will choose the new nominee. They're not going to let the people choose. No. They're going to go through the motions. They'll have Biden win the confirmation, and then he will make an announcement that his doctors have told him, et cetera, et cetera. And then they'll choose a nominee, a replacement. And it will likely be Gavin Newsom. Um, but, but what has he done to get this promotion? Uh, he was the mayor of San Francisco. How's that city doing? Ruined He's it. the governor of California. How's that city doing? So what does he want to do to the rest of us? Yeah, and um, it's kind of hard to run World War III with index cards. That, that, you know, that Joe, Joe might have a little problem with that. <laughs> if, he's, you know, if he gets us into World War III, and then he's going to just imagine him trotting himself out there. Anyway, that's another story. But uh, yeah. so um, th- th- is, isn't that where isn't California a, a big market for China's um, solar panels and all that stuff? It is. China is a wonderful customer of uh, California, a wonderful customer of China. Um, Gavin is clearly embracing the wind and the solar um, EV mandates. He was the first governor to outlaw the combustion engine, uh, I believe it's 2040 or 2035 when it is officially illegal to have a combustion engine car in California. He's banned combustion engine um, um, farm equipment. So if you have leaf blowers or weed whackers or any of those smaller pieces of equipment, nope, they're no longer allowed in California to fail of them. But eventually they'll come in and they'll confiscate because that's how leftists operate. You know, I, I think he is so comfortable with, with, with um, dictator Z, because he he envies that type of power and control. Gavin Newsom would gladly lock you and me up if if he felt that our speech was was a threat to his agenda. Look at the way he treated his state during COVID. 
Um, so I think he's genuinely envious. And, and quite frankly, a lot of Democrats are. You see articles from economists like Paul Krugman, uh, who praise China uh, and, and say it's a model for the rest of us. So the left has always loved authoritarians, um, and they love authoritarian Z, uh, and they think it's the way the rest of the world should should live. Of course, they're the ones with the authority, right? They're mm-hmm. not one of the Uyghur slaves making solar panels for $1 a week. They, can, they see themselves in, at the head of that pyramid. Yeah, and Justin Trudeau, who also has really nice hair, uh, he's a member of that same club, and he's, he has said it out loud. When asked what what country that he admires, he he said China. I I, I like yeah. the I, I don't agree with everything they do, but I like the control that they have. It's he, he said it out loud. So yeah, um, what are they paying for gas out there in California now? Uh, I think Daniel? gas is is a, a little under six dollars a gallon is the statewide average. Where I am in Virginia, it's a little over about about three fifty a gallon, uh, and it's been you know fluctuating the last couple of weeks because of the, the tensions in the Middle East. But California is outrageously high. And the reason why is because of California policies. California requires multiple different blends that change every month. They have very punitive taxes on, on gas. Um, it's all just self-inflicted. It's all state-inflicted. In, in, in California, could reverse it. But California's got myriad problems from homelessness and crime uh, that I don't think, and, and the exodus of people, I don't think gas taxes is, is a high priority. Uh, and, you know, we see California City Council was the first outside of San Francisco, the first to um, sign an agreement uh, praising Hamas and, and calling for the end of the Jewish state. So those are the priorities of California, sadly. And um, it's not surprising that someone like Gavin Newsom would go to China. Um, it's not surprising that they're aligned with, with someone like Dictator Z. We're talking to Daniel Turner. He's the founder and executive uh, director of Power of the Future. So uh, speaking of um, the Middle East, we don't know what's going to happen over there, but what's the likelihood of whatever happens or is happening uh, causing gas prices here to go up? My concern for, for that is because Israel ultimately is going to have to cut off the, the cash flow which is paying for Hamas's weaponry. Uh, they're, they're buying weapons uh, from either Russia or China or Lord knows what other bad actor. Maybe they're making them at themselves, unlikely, but, but all that requires cash. And all of that cash right now is coming from $90 a barrel oil, and Iran is producing close to 4 million barrels a day. So if, if Israel decides we have to cut off the cash flow, and that means doing damage to their Iranian oil fields, we're going to feel that worldwide. There's no doubt about it. And so that is my concern. Um, you know, and this is where energy independence for America is so right. important. Uh, none of these tensions disappeared in, in the Trump years, right? They were not as, as acute because no one had the money because gas averaged $55, $60 a barrel. So Russia didn't have as much money. Iran didn't have as much money. But none of those tensions disappeared. But but the reason why is also because we were producing more oil than the rest of the world. And, and our trajectory was, was very optimistic, and that was reflected in markets. So it didn't matter what happened in the Middle East. It didn't want, matter what happened in the Straits of Hormuz. Um, that's gone now because Biden got rid of it. Um, what, what do you say to – I've had people on Twitter will say to me, just look it up. 
we've never produced more oil than we're producing right now in the United States. What, what do you say yeah, to that argument? That's a myth for two reasons. One, the 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 energy instant, the um the, the energy department has projected that by the end of the year, our oil production numbers will surpass those of 2019. Okay, that's a projection. If that's the case, then that's fantastic. Secondly, the Biden administration has always lied about the oil production numbers. They have included releases from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves as new production numbers to inflate those numbers. So I don't necessarily trust them. And then the third thing I would say is, you know, whatever the government says, whatever markets, whatever the, 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 the agencies say, the markets are a, a pretty clear indicator that government can't tamper with. And if markets are telling us oil is $85 a barrel, I don't care what the Biden administration says about production numbers. Markets are smarter than we are. It's why people like Gavin Newsom and the Biden administration hate the free market because it is a reflection of free people and free ideas and free commerce. And they like control systems. But that's my ultimate response. I don't you know, I don't believe any of the Biden numbers, but even if I did believe them, we ha- we are paying eighty five dollars a barrel for oil for a reason, and you can't fudge that. And, and what was oil say three or four years ago before Joe got in a barrel? Um, oil was average during the Trump years. Oil averaged around fifty five dollars a barrel. Twenty twenty is clearly an anomalous year uh, uh, because of the uh, COVID crisis. Yeah. Right, oil crashed, and so you know, I, I usually throw that number out just to be honest in my assessment of oil mm-hmm. numbers. If I included that, we could say oil was probably $30 a barrel. Um, but that's not a fair number. And I'm, I don't need to play fast and loose with the numbers. I have the truth on my side. <laughs> well, if, if, if we are not, if we are producing as much or more oil than we ever did, what would be the explanation for the price of a, a, a barrel of oil going up 30 bucks? Yeah, and oil prices currently are also six-month indicators, much like the stock market, right? The oil markets and the stock market are in are future indicators of where um, uh, the market thinks the economy is headed. And so if they tell you that oil is $85 a barrel now, it's because they feel that in six months we're going to be in the same pickle we are. Oil prices come down when their future indicator is bright. Um, and there is no brightness on the horizon, and that's why the numbers haven't come down. Now, those numbers will flip in a second if there's some sort of attack, if there's some sort of an explosion. Heck, you see oil numbers go crazy when they predict a hurricane headed towards yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the, 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 the Gulf of Mexico. Um, so those numbers can change on a dime, but normally speaking, they are future indicators of where people think, where the market thinks the economy is headed. So how much does Iran have to say about how much oil we get at this point? Um, well, the problem is that Iran is selling its oil to our partners who are, who are putting it onto the global mix. And this is where Joe Biden has stopped enforcing uh, sanctions on Iranian oil. And, they, and he has admitted it. They've said we're no longer forcing a sanction. So it used to be that if you were South Korea... and and you bought Iranian oil, you would be punished by the United States economically. That's gone. So South Korea buys their oil now because whatever reason, um, and then South Korea will send it for refinement, and then that gets thrown into the – sometimes they'll even send it to America. So when people say, well, we're not buying Iranian oil, that's a lie. It's like, well, we're not, but Iran is selling it to South Korea. South Korea is selling it to 
an American company. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, their oil is, with, without a doubt, part of the global mix, and it is definitely working its way into American markets. How much of our military presence in the Middle East would be unnecessary if we weren't acting as security guards for oil fields in places like Iran and, I mean, in yeah. Syria and places like that? Absolutely. That's such a great point. And it's also when we were producing more of it at home, we didn't need it from foreign markets. And that was one measure of security. And secondly, when we were producing more of it at home and markets felt that we were continuing to grow that production number, it was it was at a low price point. And so there weren't they didn't have the cash to declare war on each other because oil was only $55, $60 a barrel. Remember, if we go back to 2019-2020 uh, oil prices and oil numbers, Iran only had a 900,000 barrels a day. Now they're close to 4 million a day. And at $85 a barrel times 4 million barrels, 3.5 million barrels, that's a lot of money every day that the government, that the Ayatollah has to dole out. And they don't dole it out for good. They dole it out for evil. So it's another reason why we need to produce more at home and and give indications to the markets that we're producing more. Because those numbers will come down. It's good for the American people. It's good for American families. And it's bad for our enemies. Daniel, I'm out of time. Always good to have you on. Thank you. Thank you, John. All right. Daniel Turner of Power the Future. Well, I started out the show by uh, talking about the stupidity of allowing kids to bring cell phones to school. Not so much the cell phone itself, but the smartphone that uh, includes a video camera and how that adds to the likelihood of stupidity and uh, the things that you see constantly on social media with either whether it's one kid being beaten up uh, in in a boy's bathroom and somebody, instead of breaking up the fight, stands there and uh, records it and then puts it up on social media. Well, there's no better example of that than the story of the two kids. I don't even want to call them two kids. They're, they're, I guess they qualify as teenagers, but they're creeps. They, I'm sure you've seen the video where they came up upon a guy riding his bike and they ran him over and killed him uh, and were laughing about it on video. And it was, it, they, they obviously, they caught, they caught it on their cell phone. And that, to me, is a perfect example. If they don't have the ability to record that, it, it doesn't happen. They probably don't do it because it's not worth doing it if you can't show it to everybody. Well, these two creeps were in court yesterday, and there's video of them sitting in court in their jumpsuits. Remember, this: the one kid uh, told the cops that he'd be out in 30 days. I don't think he's going to make that. But they were flipping the bird to the family that was sitting there in court, and they were laughing and fooling around as they were sitting there. And there have been some calls on uh, social media for the death penalty for these guys. And see, I, I don't think they should get the death penalty. That's too easy. Um, I think that they should go to one of those uh, nine-by-seven cells, get their food through a slot in the door, maybe one shower a week, and hope they live to be 100. The death penalty is way too easy for these two guys. And that's what I hope they get. Life, no parole. I'll talk to you tomorrow. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.